This week's episode is brought to you by Game One and Game One only. Safe to say, this top line is the best in the league. Yeah, we are. Good morning, good afternoon, or good evening. I'm Steph, and you're locked into Burgundy Radio for June 5th, 2021. Coming up on the show, we've got three super different games in the books in this first round series against the Vegas Golden Knights. We'll talk about each of them and what Colorado needs to do going into game four. Joining me to do that are Earl 06. Hello, Earl. Hello, friends. And Jackie, Tiger Vixen. Hello. Greetings. And we'll start back on Sunday. A road-weary Golden Knights club comes into Denver and starts Robin Leonard for some reason. So the Avs simply Brazil them. 7-1 the final. Two goals for Nathan McKinnon, two goals for Gabe Landeskog. One each for Brandon Saad, Kale McCarr, and Mikko Rantanen. So that game had a whole bunch of garbage time. And Vegas spent most of that time running around because Ryan Greaves, or Ryan, Ryan Greaves, Ryan Graves lays a late hit on Matthias Janmark. Clean otherwise, but definitely late. And you all know what happened after that. Ryan frickin' Reeves spent the rest of the game headhunting and finally took a two-game suspension for yanking Graves to the ice by his head and kneeling on his face and neck. That was one of the ugliest things we've seen this season. But, but Graves did end up returning to that game, and it was a nine-minute power play. Haven't seen that one before. No. I haven't either. I thought it was a mistake. And then when the clock started, it was like, oh, okay then. Well, this is the rest of the game already. I thought that, and then I saw that there was 12 minutes left, and I was like, oh, they still have three minutes to be POSs if they want to. And then, of course, Kale waited until the the major power play was over, and the first minor power play was over to score the goal, so was even that time was cut a little bit short. But the rest of that game was just running the clock down, so it was okay. If this was a really weird strategy by... Vegas um obviously early on Leonard was not up to the task whether it was rust or whatever and the Avs got a big lead and you always worried about that but they just we never saw what Vegas was going to try to do during this series which is you know it, it took another period to find that out midway through game two um but it just I I, I was really wondering, you know, what Vegas was thinking there because it, it, it seemed like instead of trying to play the Avs straight up, they were just going to try to goon it up, take out as many guys as they could, and then see what they could scrape up. I don't know if gooning was a premeditated strategy. It's obviously something as a result of getting beat pretty badly on the scoreboard. And as we've seen in the subsequent games, two and three, there hasn't been much of that gooning. So well, it obviously didn't work, so. <laughs> um, it's sort of like the St. Louis thing where it was like, hey, when you really need to actually win a game, look, the gooning goes away. Imagine that. And I was oh, I mean, a little bit concerned in even in game three, just for spoilers, that when, when Vegas took the lead in that game, that they were going to start ramping that kind of nonsense up, and they never really did. So either, either this is something that's like, the team following the the lead of Ryan Reeves and him not being present has turned their focus elsewhere. I don't know that I believe that, but that's a thing that some people have said. 
Um, or it was all a response to getting stomped and a response to seeing your player take a rough ride in the in the corner and I guess he hit his head on the dasher or something and he's he and Ian Mark hasn't been seen since so obviously the the Golden Knights think that's dirty and are trying to get their um, crybaby frontier justice over it. Yeah, there's been a lot of crybaby from that side too. DeBoer's been crying after each game about the penalties. Yeah, that that's what definitely a, more of a game two situation for sure. Yeah. Um, you know, I want to go back to the Leonard thing. I didn't at the time. I didn't think it was that odd. I mean, we all were surprised just because Flurry had played so well against the Avs, and it, as we had talked about in the previous podcast about how he pretty much had played the entire their entire first round series, but they. I understand you also don't want your other if if you think you're gonna have to play the other goaltender, you don't want him sitting around forever. And in a game where our side was rusty, you put in the I guess you could say the rusty goalie, and maybe they also sent some sort of maybe mental or emotional fatigue from Flurry with that seven game series. So you can see it's a decent spot to put in the other goaltender. It's just Flurry had played so well against the Avs. It's hard to not want to start on that foot. Yeah, I mean, it. I, I don't... I, I think the longer you go without finding out whether Leonard is game ready or not, um, it's tougher. Like, they, you know, they obviously should have probably used him in one of the games against Minnesota and I have no idea why they didn't, um, but they didn't, and so it, it came to this. And then, you know, you're trying to get off on the right foot. I mean, I think the first game of any series is very, very important. Um, and it just it, it was obvious really early on that it just wasn't going to happen, and that's tough. What I find I odd is, is now he's not even backing up. <laughs> I didn't know that. Yeah, oh, you he didn't. He, he didn't back up in game two. I never heard either way on game three. No, I didn't really care enough didn't. to find out. So he, he is just like done. He says, no, I'm not playing that team ever again. I don't know. I mean, it's possible an injury could have happened, but with him, I guess maybe it's it's fair or not fair to always wonder if because he has had his mental health struggles that he's been very open about. It's just getting beat that bad he might need a little bit of a mental reset which is understandable but um yeah they've well, had the AHL guys their backup the last two games yeah that's interesting i mean like obviously you would want in a perfect world it would be nice to have the AHL guys be backups and not need them um but if you actually did need a backup goalie during a game you'd want Leonard instead of one of them um that's, I don't know. I don't, I don't know what to say about that. Because yeah, Flurry was the backup for game one, right? Yes. Um, yeah. And and we were hoping to see Leonard get chased so that it could be a total disaster and Flurry would have to play anyway. But Colorado took a little bit too long to get their goals to the point where it wasn't really worth doing anymore. Um, but Leonard's a good goalie and did not really play game one like Robin Leonard. He was overcommitting to a, a Hunter Miska degree very often. Yeah. 
and it was just it was odd. It was different. It's not not what he usually looks like. So Colorado totally took advantage. Good for them. Um, when he signed that extension, the the idea was that he would be their their number one goaltender. Just like always, Fleury had other ideas. Yeah, Fleury's been awesome this season, and uh, in this series, he's been fine. Um, but in in the first round, he was I think he put up a nine thirty something like that. So, like Fleury is Fleury definitely deserves to be the number one at this point. He's 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 been awesome. Um, so I I mean I guess the rest argument is fine. Um, but I, I definitely agree. One of those games when you're up three to X against Minnesota would have been the time to 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 get. I mean, because Vegas rolled rolled two goalies all season long, so that would have been the time to roll two goalies if that's what you want to do. Yeah, but I don't know the it's, the weariness, the um, the emotional letdown after a game seven. Like the, this was kind of primed for for Vegas to come out a little flat, and that's what we saw. Usually we do see like the momentum against the the rust is and I'm is that the uh, it's perfectly understandable they were maybe tired or worn out but a lot of times we do see those teams just continue the momentum like Montreal <laughs> like the special habs yes 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 in the yeah. in the Canadian hockey league yes yeah <laughs> Well, and honestly, it's, it, I mean, I know it's a very small sample size, but since since the millennium, the Rusty team is 0-5 in game one. Um, so it's, it's or I guess, 1-6 now. But I guess I didn't know that. I knew that the Rusty team was 0-5 in series, but in actual game one, it was 0-5. That's what I thought it was. I didn't know. No, I took it was it as series. In... That... Oh, okay. That was the thing that a team that swept versus a team that went to game seven and obviously won, they would win the next series. And the oh, okay. team that swept was out. So we'll see. So they should have started JoJo in game four against St. Louis and just thrown it. <laughs> no, as we've seen, it's hard. It's hard to eliminate a team. It's hard to end a team season. So I'm, I would still wouldn't take it back. In some ways, it almost seems like the Brazil is is like your own worst enemy. And we saw that after the two Brazils against Arizona wasn't the greatest. Set you up for success. And perhaps the Brazil in this game did not set them up for continued success in this series. Maybe so, because after that Brazil, we got two days of rest. And then on Wednesday, Avs win game two in overtime, three to two. This was a game they started just fine, but it, it got away from them in the second period. But Philip Grubauer made 39 saves, and Marc-Andre Fleury made somewhat fewer. Sod opens the scoring, then Tyson Jones gets a power play goal from the bumper, and then, after drawing a penalty shortly into overtime by just not having much of a grip on his stick, Miko Rantanen wins it on the power play. Now, despite the tilted shot totals in this one, and in the second third, they were very tilted, XG at all situations ended up really even. What what did y'all make of this one? This was definitely What's the weird, penalty goes, game. The first period was, yeah. Well, the whole um, thing, it, it was it felt managed, and 
and that's the part. I mean, in a playoff game, to get four first-period penalties is a little bit out there to begin with. And, I mean, I don't really think any of us here believe the whole, like, hey, if, if the other team's just committing penalties, that's they're going to call. I mean, no, that's not reality. It's managed. It's not how anything works. So when you get four yeah. first-period power plays, and they did score on one, but... Um, or no, no, they didn't score. When did they end? They the got Joe's one, that was the yeah. second period, wasn't no, it? Was okay. in, it was in the first, it was in the first. It was late in the first, but it was in the first. Yeah. Okay. So they got one, and it's like one out of four is okay. That's good, good enough. But you just know the rest of the game, you're going to be giving it, giving it back to them. And that's what happened. Like, they had the power play in the third period, didn't score on it. And wouldn't you know, Vegas got a power play at the end of the third period. They didn't score on theirs. And then I guess they felt like they had to call the, the slash stick out of the hands. I mean, you could argue that it, it's one of those obvious penalties, like delay of game. Like, you see it, you have to call it. But in the playoffs, even that stuff gets ignored, too. Like we saw last night. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I, I definitely agree with the managed angle. I think that there was probably a director a directive from the league that they did not want to see Game 2 get out of control like Game 1 did. Um, yeah. And so the game was called pretty tightly early just to keep it from turning into uh, what, what, what real briefly Game 3 tried to in the third period. Which is fine. Yeah. I don't like that crap either. Like, I don't enjoy... The whole slashing, slugfest, scrums after every whistle. It's just like, I don't think it matters. I really don't. I don't think the other team gets intimidated by a stupid scrum at the end of after a whistle. It's just so dumb. Well, the thing about this game is once once we got through the first period and the, the message was sent, it was a lot of five-on-five five play. Which is what we like. Well, we thought we did. (laughs) (laughs) Going into the series, we thought this was the way to go, and apparently that's not the case, at least till this point. Because since since that first period, the last five periods plus the little bit of overtime, um, Vegas has been on a very upward trajectory as far as widening their shot share gap. And um, that's just, I don't I. I didn't see that coming, and I'm not, I'm not exactly sure why. Well, it's we been saw so it. easy for them to to just get on this roll, and it's not like the Avs aren't fighting back, but it's just, you know, the Avs will shoot five times and Vegas will shoot seven, and it goes back and forth like that, and accumulates and accumulates, and you know, suddenly it's you're minus sixty in the series or whatever. Well, the one thing is is that Vegas does have trouble finishing, and that was kind of their problem in game two, is they they could tie it up, but they could never get that lead. So then when the Avs withstood it and got it to overtime, it really did feel like, hey, you know, we get the first one off, we obviously win the game, and that's what happened. So in a way, I'll take that any time, or if it's just like first one to score wins. Yeah. Because... I would bet more on the abs finishing than them, but yeah, it's definitely a problem. And I don't think it's, 
it's something to sweep away and say, hey, they're still up two to one. It's just one loss or first loss in a month. I think it was literally a month since they last lost their game. But it's something they're going to have to solve because these games are going to happen fast. And they could be looking at a game six or seven here pretty quick. Yeah, I don't. I don't think that what was going wrong with game two and what was going wrong with game three were quite the same. So let's let's start with game two, um, because game two was to me a lot of executional failures. It was a lot of passing into skates. It was a lot of uh, JT Confer leaving his his line mates with suicide passes for some reason that don't get there because he doesn't put any any heat on the pass. So thank goodness. It was, you know, th- it was things like that. It, it, it was defenders not controlling their area of the ice quite right. Not a lot, a lot more than than, than what game three became. Um, I think that I for for me game two was just everything a little bit out of sync, and you can credit that to Vegas pressuring the Avalanche a lot. Um, but they're that's what they do. That's what they're going to continue to do. You have to be able to handle that, and Colorado simply could not handle that in game two. Yeah, and that's the first time they've had actual pressure on them five on five for, you know, a month. Um, you know, th- this is just not something that they've had to deal with in a long time. And, you know, I, I do think that's part of the problem. I, I do think that's why they're not just, sh- you know, shaking it off and going out and, and dominating. It. I think this is they're being put under duress for the first time in a while. Um well, you because could go this back. Is the first time they've played a good team in forever. And that too. And you go back to the last time they played Vegas, a game they probably didn't des- really deserve to win, which is the one that sewed up the President's Trophy for them. But they played terrible in that game too. And a lot of people say, okay, well, they still had guys out. They didn't have Sam. They didn't have Sod and Grubauer and all this. And you can say, okay, well, that wasn't really the Avs. But they're pretty much playing with the full roster here so none of that stuff can be excuses anymore like cadre is not the difference between them being able being able to execute like you said properly because he's been to some of i mean it'd be nice to have somebody not comfort but right he's been so poor a lot of this year that you know if burakovsky looks like crap i wouldn't bet that oh hey cadre would have it figured out not to say I wouldn't be thrilled if they said, all right, your suspension's over. You can play in the next game. But I don't think it'd make that much of a difference because he gets sucked into the same stuff. And part of it, I think, is also, if you're talking about execution, is is the Brazil that happened. They always then get too fancy, too cute, too many passes, and Vegas always adjusts. We've said this multiple times. Vegas knows the way they like to pass. The cross-ice stuff is absolutely not there against Vegas. They're too good with their sticks. They're too smart. They read the play. They're not going to let you pass it around in the offensive zone like that on the breakout or in the neutral zone. You, you, have, to, you have to keep it simpler. And it seems like it takes them a while to comprehend that. All right. And this is where I'm going to kind of rebut a little bit of the cadre situation and and i i totally agree that that he's been an empty suit large swaths of this year um 
but the fact of the matter is is that when you have him at center between Burkowski and Donskoy, they can at least go up against better competition than they can when Comfer is out there. Because when Comfer is centering those guys, they just get buried. And that's that's been the one of the main problems we've seen over the last five periods is that they are not able to take on any difficult competition. I mean, they can barely... I mean, it, they can't even do anything against the Vegas fourth line together. So that puts us in a situation where you have Tyson Jost's line as your shutdown line. And you, you want them to be able to take some shifts against Stone's line so that the, the three-headed monster can you know, get, get a little bit easier competition to play against. And then, you know, so that's not happening. And Joe's line's getting buried with being a little bit over their heads. Um, you know, it's sort of a butterfly beating its wings things. And, you know, putting this all on Kadri's absence is not fair, but it's just that started this. And it's where it's gotten to is some place you have to dig out of. And, I, but it could. I mean, one one guy being gone, and it's not one of the, the top. I know. It, I'm not blaming it's, it all on him, but it's it's a it's a chain of events that started with that. I mean, I totally agree with you. I I think Comfort's terrible, honestly. Like he's he's not a good player, and and playing him more is not the answer. But you have all these other guys healthy. It's. I know they should be able to overcome this. <laughs> They, they should, you know, but it, it, I mean, it took until the second period of last night's game for Jared Bednar to go, you know, maybe, maybe I need to mix up these lines a little bit. It's just, it's, it's been too long. They're just not working. And then his justification for doing that wasn't that it, it wasn't working. It was that they weren't working, but we'll get to that. Yeah. Another of the kind of like butterfly wing effects of Kadri's absence has been the playoff debut of one uh, Sampo Ranta, which we kind of joked about last week because Bednar kind of seemed to be open to it and we didn't think it was really going to happen, but then it did. Yeah, and... it started getting more real the, the more practices that he was still on a real line with guys that were clearly going to be playing in the game. And like Bender, like I said, Bender's very serious about practice and and the guys that he puts together. Like it's it's not just for fun. He's he's getting them ready to play a game. So I, it was fun to see Sampo. I think he did some good things. It's just insane to me, though, based on just all the teeth pulling about guys like Cout and that you have to. You know, the, the games are too important. Winning a cup is too important. And, you know, just on and on and on. And then they just say, hey, what the hell? We'll just throw in this guy that has 14 AHL games in the second round of the playoffs against the other best team in the league. You know, whatever. But um, I don't know. I, I, I don't think know. he was correct in his evaluation that playing Sampo Ranta was putting the best player available into that spot. Well, I know I can see what he likes about him, and, and I've liked I've liked Sampo more than a lot of people for years. Yeah, I mean, I <laughs> I saw a lot of hand wringing about both Sampo and Newhook after Game Two, and I'm like, look, Bednar's got them out there taking faceoffs late in that game. I mean, I don't think he's really hating the way they look. I mean, obviously, 
you know, being plus zero minus six or whatever they were on the night, that's not a great look. But they're not giving up a lot. And as far as actual points, it was and funny they played the more. The speed than that they have is something that they. It was very noticeable that they lost that when you put Carl Soderberg and Sherwood in there last night. It, it was it was a big time change for the Avs, and they just look much slower. Um, yeah, it was I rough, think... right? Because I mean, I, I I feel like the the general consensus on specifically Ranta in game two was that he was kind of a mess. Um, oh yeah, I, I I thought he was better than Newhook in game two. Honestly, I I don't even remember Newhook's game in game two, like not even a little bit. I mainly remember Sampo getting spun around like multiple times just by the play around him. Um, I mean, the basic thing is neither of them can hold on to the puck in the offensive zone. They can't deal with being forechecked. Or you know, back checked, whatever. Um, well, neither of them and, are that good defensively either. Yeah, but, but I mean, again, they're they're able to suppress a lot of that because they do use their speed and they're able to break through the layers of Vegas's forecheck pretty easily. Um, but again, it's like I, the reason they didn't have any shots on goal on ice, I think, is basically because you know it's just, they they're young and they don't know how to get away from defensive play like that and they just end up turning the puck over before they can shoot it and to me that's fine um i i know it's not optimum but i you know what there's you're just not asking that much offensively out of your fourth line. no if if, if your fourth line is making a difference it's usually in the negative direction right like we saw last night in the, their first shift in game three, which was they were like out there two minutes long, right? They were out there for two minutes, and they couldn't capture the puck. They couldn't get it out of the zone, and they kind of did, but they couldn't get everyone off. And then, yeah, they killed any. Like I thought, the first whatever couple shifts that was had three were shifts decent. before that were great. Yeah, and and they just killed the moment. They just killed all the momentum. Right, and it's like it's tough to throw that all on Carl. And Sherwood, because it's like, that's their first shift in God knows how long. And it's like, you know, they're going to be rusty no matter what. And it's a lot to ask them to be that good. But it's like, you're on the ice and you got to do your job. And they didn't. So I I, kind of put some of that on Bednar's personnel decisions, even though I do think it was probably time for both Newhook and and, and Ranta to take a a seat for a game and, and sort of look from above. Okay, so if we're going to start talking about Game 3, let's just go ahead and talk about Game 3. Because um, the series does shift to, to Vegas there, and Colorado comes out of the gate. Uh-huh. Yeah. Technically, they did participate in this game. Grubauer, rock solid again, makes 40 saves. Miko Rantanen extends his point streak with a power play goal. Bednar replaces Alex Newhook and Sample Ranta with Carl Soderberg and Kiefer Sherwood, as we were just saying. Uh, Carl gets a goal on a rush chance, created by P.E. Belmar. Uh, Brandon Saad hit a post late in the game. I don't know, y'all. The Avs got smoked and still yeah. only lost this game by a goal. It was never close on the ice. Like Even when they pulled out a 2-1 lead, the impending losses felt inevitable. Jared Bednar comes out to his press conference and basically asks the same question I'm about to. The fuck was that? Yeah, that was awful. But it, I mean, save for one minute of collapse in the third period, they had this. 
you know, they they were going to go up 3 nothing without... I mean, I mean, yes, that did feel inevitable. And I have little doubt that they were going to score at some point at least forced overtime, but... Um, it's amazing how bad they played, and yet we're still in this as far as the score. Um, getting dominated the way they did was oh, really disappointing. And I can see why... Bednar was calling out a lot of guys, but I mean, he kind of contributed to that too. I mean, he overplayed Saad and Comfer, who are just ghastly all night. He played them eight and nine shifts um, in the third period, and they were just getting smoked the whole time. And, and yeah, it's like you need those guys going for you, but when they're not, you just got to you, you try to work around that a little bit. I don't know why, like, Donnie didn't get played at all in the third period. I don't think right. he was... I didn't see him do any worse than some of the others. And I think someone else mentioned he had some of the best expected goals of any of the forwards, so... He did. So why... Unless something happened, then we just don't know, but it seems like he's fine. He was out there at optional today, so they just sit him and put him on the fourth line, but, like, you're right. Like you said, there was no evidence that anyone was really going. Yeah. So why lean on guys like Comfer? Grubauer was going. I don't know. Well, true. But he's he's always there. He has to be. He's, he's not a skater. Um, it, it seemed to me that Jonas Donskoy's main crime of the night was continuing to pass the puck to JT Comfer, who yeah. was hideous. Not, al- yeah. not alone in being hideous, but hideous there was i saw him black hole the puck three times in one shift which is like wow that's impressive yeah. i know and it I, again this is you know part of the the butterfly beating its wings on the other side of the globe thing i'm talking about with kadri being out but it, it it took this long for for jb to finally switch up the lines a little bit you know he put landy down with burkovsky and i think Nachushkin. I mean, it was all mixed up, but it's no. You know, I think was... Berkey was with. That's uh, right. Berkey was with the top and McKinnon, line, and then yeah. it was Landy with. Um... Nachushkin and Donskoy, maybe. No, because Donskoy was on the fourth line. It was maybe it was Nuke and Sod. Yeah. Whatever it was, it um, it didn't work any better. Um, it sure didn't. And it was just no, it was, Soderberg. It was strangely Landy timed. Was... Because the second period was wasn't good, but it was a lot better than the yeah. first. No, Landy was with Soderberg, and then that's who was on for the second goal against in the third period. Right. Or the first goal against. No, it's the first goal against the March so goal was Landy and Soderberg, and then they come right out with McKinnon, Burkowski, and Miko, and they give up the second one. Because the yeah. first period yeah. of this game was where most of the damage happened. None, none of the goals happened. But most of the territorial damage happened in the first. The second period was a lot more even. I think the second was okay. The third was bad, though. I mean, and that was when we had the full blender. Stuff. Yeah, and they, I think, and they were the worst in the third period too. Like they, like thirty percent of possession, like just everything across the board was terrible. Give up nineteen shots and like some absurd number of scoring chances. I mean, it was just gross. So. I don't even think of it as like, oh boy, this was like a last five minutes kind of collapse thing. I mean, it was nice that Miko scored the power play goal and they had the lead, but 
playing that way, you just have no business winning the game. And maybe they could have eked it out like they did in game two, but it was and it was, it was just coming. It was so close to being three to one because Saad rang the, the puck off the post when, when it was yeah. at, at two one. And it was, geez, that you want to talk about a stolen game. That would have been a stolen game. But so the reason I, I mean, think this is- game was so much different from game two um, was game two was just the avalanche trying to do things that weren't working. And in, in game three, to, to my eye, Vegas just had their way with, with the game at all times. Colorado usually plays by dominating both blue lines in both directions. That's what they do. You can't get them out of, out of their zone. You can't get it into the, into the zone with the puck either. If you do, you're not going anywhere with it. Once Colorado has it, you're not getting them off them. They're leaving the zone and they're getting into yours. That's how it works. It was the exact, exact opposite in this game because Colorado could not get out of their own zone without chipping it off the boards. They could not get into the zone without dumping it, which they're not good at retrieval. It was it was a complete reversal of what Colorado usually does. Vegas beat them at their yeah. own game. Yeah, and I say some of both. I mean... Vegas is a good team. They play very well. We forget they had absurd records this year too, like an eight-game winning streak. They almost never lose at home. They're a very good team too, and I think everyone was a little overconfident. And if we had pulled this out, we're sitting here talking about a 3-0 lead. We probably are talking about it. just go in there and sweep them. But, yeah, Vegas does a lot of things well, so credit to them. They know the abs very well. Like, we're not going to surprise them with the kind of passes, the breakouts, the plays that we make. But some of it I do think Bednar's right about you You have to battle. You, ha- you have to win those 50-50 puck battles. You have to win races to the puck. Those kind of things they weren't doing. Like, you, you have to give it that extra all you have, you know, the 110% and all that. But I don't want to boil it down to just, like, you have to want it bad enough. Because, no. because and yeah. I, I hate that excuse or that. Just try sort of, harder. Yeah, it's like, right. we, gave you, we gave you a good game plan, just try harder. And, right, and, and uh, if, like, if it's one of those games where, like, five guys are going okay and the rest are, are mediocre or really bad um then you're like okay you know it's like you need a little you need a little better effort from those guys that weren't producing but it's this was so across the board um that that you just wonder like when you're asked to counter something like that and it's not working it's very frustrating and it can look like you're not trying anymore but it's just it's it's frustration at what you're trying to do is not getting any results. Um, and I'm not totally blaming the staff for that easier either, because I mean, it's one of those things that it was working. It was really working well, but now it's not, you know, we've seen it through the year that some forwards and some lines are going and then they're not. But I think what really is a concerning thing is the defenseman. Yeah. Which I is really, the competitive advantage the abs have is is their decor and they just haven't played well i mean you have to break it down by pair too because i mean let's face it nemeth and timmins have been a nightmare um yeah they were 
terrible yesterday. I think Timmons had 13% course C4. Yeah, he was on the edge for one shot attempt and it was blocked. And yeah. 1% expected goals, 4%. Nemeth wasn't much better. I think he was probably out there for one successful shift. And Of course, the um, Avalanche it, overall had 18% XG at even strength, so well, <laughs> right. n- not a high bar to clear. Yeah, it's, it's not definitely not all their fault. It's not all the fourth line's fault. And then you put them out there together, and they have a couple disaster shifts, and you're never going to recover analytically. And that happens, that happens the right, other way, too, it's... that if you're out there with a great fourth-line shift, those guys look great. But it, it's, t- it's time to realize that you can't just roll with them. Like, you know, I, Bednar said that we would probably see Byram at some point in this series. I think the time is now. I think maybe they were waiting for a loss, but it wasn't like a – this wasn't a G we played well, but it just didn't work out loss. Like, this was a – we got beat loss. So – now now's the time plus you know if you want to look at taking either one of them out i still don't believe like they're ever going to take nemeth out especially with the pk being successful right now is you know this certainly isn't timmons's fault but when you give him one shift in the third period i think the other night he had three shifts in the third period one was for five seconds you're not playing him you don't trust him you're not playing him if if you don't trust byram to do anything like he you know, and he plays eight minutes. You're basically getting the same thing. So the PK has the, the PK has been horrifying, even, even though it's been it's had good results. It's been very scary. <laughs> yeah, I could see them not want to change that. Like I get it, they're not taking Nemeth out, but right. I, and honestly, like Bo is not going to take Nemeth's role. Um, even you know regardless of how we feel he could handle it. Like, he's just not going to take that role. And I, and I don't think that's why you would put Byram in the lineup is to take a role like that. It's like, if you put Byram in the lineup, it's like you want someone that's going to start creating and doing um, more dynamic things um, throughout the whole ice rather than blocking shots and, and being Mr. PK. And he played a lot against Vegas. He played five games against Vegas, including those two games that both Sam and McCarr were out and played a huge role and they won one of those games. So, I mean, they know that he's been successful against them. They probably wouldn't prefer to start him on the road, but it's kind of, it's kind of the shakeup that they need. So I really hope. Obviously what they did with the fourth line shakeup was a step backwards. (laughs) Um, So, you're kind of left with now that all the defensemen look like they're struggling. It's just, you, you need more speed and, and going backwards in that respect. It's just, um, like they need to get their speed back. I mean, that's the one thing last night, you know, the, the guys from NBC were remarking, you know, it's like the, the, the Avs just couldn't get any speed through the neutral zone or getting out of their zone or inside the offensive zone. And they're totally right. I mean, they the it, when the abs aren't able to skate, I mean, that's that's their whole game. I mean, you've neutralized. Them. They've got to get that back. And they got to get their breakout better too. And Byram should be able and to help with that. that. Like he's he's definitely not going to be a savior, but you know, I'm going to be really disappointed if they're not willing to use him, especially when Bednar basically even said 
that he was going to use him at some point in this series. Like he probably envisioned this sort of scenario when certain parts of their game dropped off that he would think about putting him in the lineup. So we're, a lot of us are feeling really down and negative on how this series has kind of gone. Um, Colorado are still two wins away from the semifinal and have a really good opportunity with with game four to bring a commanding lead back home. Obviously, we, we're all in agreement that put Bo and Byron back in the lineup is part of how you do that. Um, and I think we're also all in agreement that fix your breakout is part of that as well. Um, so it's, it's kind of hard to, from the outside, get into how, like, like really strong details of these things, but I want to anyway. Why is the breakout failing? Where do we go to go- fix that? And because who does not- Byram come in for? Is it Timmons? Is it a 7D situation? What would y'all do? I think either. I think he, putting him in for Timmy's fine if if they keep Timmy and put him in as a a seventh D and, and take out probably Sherwood, um, that could work too. Um, I, I don't think it. I don't think it's that important. I, I would I would rather see Byram come in for Timmons and then put one of their Sampo or Newhook back in. Um, just because I I do think without those two guys in the lineup. You know, it's just the the speed quotient went way down. Um, as far as what's not working with the breakout, I think a lot of it is they're trying to get the puck up out of on the wall too much, and they're not using the center of the ice. And and we've seen this a lot when they do struggle with their breakouts in the past. Is just they you know they're trying to get it out along the boards, and it's not working. And they just they need to bite the bullet and get it through the the center of the ice better and that's tough because you know that's something that vegas is incredibly good at stopping i mean they have their their guys that they guard the walls at the blue line and then they have you know one or two guys blocking the center it's really hard to get out that way but it just you've got to figure it out for me i think 70 would have made sense the beginning of the series when you were when you'd say you know we've played pretty well you know we haven't lost blah 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 and this, instead of playing Sambo or Newhook for six minutes, you could have put Bo in. At this point, I think you're past that. I think you just need, and maybe they're waiting because they want to give him, like, actual minutes. You, you basically haven't played Timmons in the third period of two games. Like, it's time. Like I said, it's not his fault, but if you feel like you are restricted to 7D because of that kind of performance, then you're kind of fooling yourself, I think. And as far as the forwards, I probably like to see one of Sampo or Newhook. I think they both bring different things. I think Sampo does make a little bit more sense against how big the fourth line of Vegas is. Uh, Newhook's obviously shown more, but I don't think he's been great in this series, so I could see it go either way. And I think, I think Soderberg's okay. He is sort of that utility. They can move him up and down. He did score the goal. He was part of the fourth line being terrible. Like, Sherwood isn't as awesome as people think. Like, just because... Wait a minute. People think Sherwood is awesome? awesome? Yes. Yeah, people like Sherwood. Why? It's because... 
He's, and this is why people think that a lot of different players play well is if they have like a rush into the zone. And it doesn't matter if they even get a shot off or a scoring chance, a goal even, a point. No, it's just if you skated fast and you went from one zone to the other, then you played well. And that's that's yeah, also I mean, a lot of why people like O'Connor. And he has been more effective, yes, but it's not like he produces anything either. But, like, you know, Benner likes that balls to the wall that Sherwood can provide on occasion. Like, it wasn't there last night. So I don't think you keep him in the lineup. I do Soderberg, one of Newhooker, Sampo, and Byram is what I would do tomorrow. I agree with that. I mean, Sherwood turns the puck over just as much as Sampo and Newhook do. So um, I, I don't think you're really going to, you know, you're, you're not going to lose much with taking him out. You could gain something by putting one of those two in. Because Sherwood's main contributions to Game 3 were um, drawing a penalty, which, which he did by driving the net, um, being nearby when Carl scored the goal, he did, he he was nearby. Yep. Um, the the NBC was accusing him of like driving the net, but that isn't really what happened. Um, he, no. he like he skated down the down the slot. Sure, is that driving the net? I I think he ended up facing away from the net. Um, and then that's that's it. Pretty much, like <laughs> either of Sampo or Newhook can do those things with a higher ceiling well it's not just that it's a sherwood is not as good as those two well all right sherwood is not as good as new hook in the defensive zone um sampo we know can be a little inconsistent defensive um so that's probably a wash um i think i think what sampo does well is he can break the puck out hey i noticed him he had a really good breakout in game two and that's kind of how he helps in the defensive zone. And yeah, defensive well, he, coverage is not going to be awesome. I'm he attacks sure the middle on awesome. the breakout. And that's, that's one thing that, again, like I was saying, that's, that's what they need to do. And he's fearless. He doesn't mind going to the middle. He's big. He's not afraid of getting hit. Or a cross check in the back repeatedly. Yeah, that was like earning his stripes, I guess, his first shift gets cross-checked a bunch of times, gets elbowed in the face. He survived and was like, okay. He got his battle scar. Yeah. Vegas 28 comes up behind him on the board and says, you're, you're the wrong 75. Pow, 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 pow. Okay. We, we get it. Put your stick back on the ice where it belongs. Go find someone to charge. You'll be happier. So as we look, also, as we look at Game 4, um, any word on Nazem Kadri hasn't come yet. His arbitration hearing was um, yesterday, I believe. Uh, yesterday morning. And that yeah. was the sixth game he's missed, if if my math is correct. So, if the suspension is going to get shortened, we got about a day to find out. Ryan Reeves will be back for Game 4. So yeah, at this point, could... I don't know what to expect. Uh, I could see him miss tomorrow's, and then they say, "Oh, it's a six-game suspension." Yeah, or they just <laughs> that he served seven games of. <laughs> but um, 
I don't know. I don't think they'll make it longer. Could happen. Probably not, though. I think I it's going to be interesting with Reeves back in the lineup. Be- obviously, he did not add much to their team. Oh, he added quite right. a bit. It just wasn't hockey. It, it, they- it wasn't positive either, yeah. Um, Vegas does seem to either choose between he and Colazar, and since they played well in the two games without him and with Colasar in the lineup, you know, they just keep rolling with that. It's possible. Yeah, I mean, if you look at what Brown, Colasar, and, and the other guy did, um, they had a pretty good game last night. They were and... fantastic last night. They they were dominant. Right. It's like you cannot have the other team's fourth line dominate you. Get out of here. But they they right. were they were they, they were awesome. Right, and and they I did mean, it without really... the dirty crap either. So well, I mean, not one of the guys was doing dirty crap, but the other two were actually playing hockey and looked pretty good. I mean, okay, they, well, they live they live in the gray area. Look, they they didn't try to murder That's anybody. Kind of what happened. They they, they were yeah. Well, the the only guy on Vegas that did try to murder somebody was Marcheseau, and he missed, so it was fine. That was after Vegas took their lead, their first lead, and uh, he skated all the way through the defensive zone, and I don't know which Avalanche player was back there in the corner, but they dodged the check, and if they hadn't, they might still not have woke up yet, because he had nothing but force. That was yikes. Um, I don't know what else there is to really say about Game 4 going forward. You've got to... Get your breakout together. You've got to get your best lineup together. And you got to figure it out. Because um, Bednar is... What Bednar tells the media is that the Avs aren't competing hard enough. And whether he actually believes that's the problem or not, we don't... You don't know. Because he's not going to come out and tell you, well, we need to... You know, we need to make sure that we're... That our, you know, third forward is supporting the breakout better and all this nonsense. He's not going to get into that. He's... He's going to tell you they needed to want it more. That's that's the way it works. And I think he was a little bit more descriptive today about taking routes, getting into the center of the ice, stuff like that. That's fine. Like, I also don't expect him to give strategy or what he's thinking in in the pressers. Like, the pressers is a lot for sending a message. And like we mentioned, DeBoer was whining after they lose, after we lose. You know, he's calling it like it is. And I do appreciate that. he was whining because we didn't get a call or something like that. That just wouldn't be reality. But, you know, it, what you say in the presser is a lot of your message to the players because they know what, what it was said. They see the tweets. So they're, they're aware of the gist. And, yeah, they, they need a kick in the butt, too. I just hope that the coaching staff has come up with a few ideas. But that that's fine. If they don't want to share with us, just do it tomorrow. Right. I'm fine with being in the dark as long as it works. (laughs) Right. I just don't want to hear, like, at the end of this, if if they lose the series, it's just, oh, they didn't want it bad enough. They didn't try hard enough. It's just, I think think they want it. I think they know they have a very good chance. They see what they play in the third round. I mean, the, the, the path is set right now. It's just this is a really tough matchup. But you you win. They're already halfway there, so you you've got to finish the job. They have twice as many wins as Vegas in the series. They're doing okay. They did. 
So, I mean, so it a, is both. Like, it, we do have to keep perspective. It's one loss. It was at Vegas. You know, we kind of expected this. But they have to play better. They're not playing well enough. And I think that's mm-hmm. the part that deserves real concern. Yeah, I mean, there was a lot of frustration in the GET last night. Yeah, I bailed on that shit. That was nasty. It's I understand, because it is frustrating when you when you know how well they can play against this team. And you're seeing that, and it's like there's, you know, that there's no adjustments, there's no answers, and it's just it's it's very disappointing to see throughout, you know, five straight periods of hockey getting your ass kicked like that, you know. But you do have to have some perspective. It's like you know, up until the end of the game, you know, it's like they had won two, Vegas had won none, and they were winning until very few minutes left. So. Um, maybe they were falling ass backwards into it, but you know, it's like they, they weren't in a dangerous position and they still aren't, um, you know, it's like they could still win this series in five, you know, I'm disappointed because I wanted to see them win 16 straight and, and get a perfect, postseason, <laughs> but, you know, that'd be too easy. Yep. That'd be too easy, but no, nah, it'd be fun though. I mean, it's like 72 dolphins stuff, but, um, well, I think also know. after losing, two consecutive second round series it it is like you have to prove it you have to get over the hump and it regardless if this is probably their toughest test that they'd have the whole way it doesn't matter it's still the second round you still have to be able to beat a good team and the good thing is is that in those in the sharks and the dallas series they didn't have a lead in that series and here they do so yeah, that was some of the other nonsense I started seeing going around last night. Well, here's the Avs second second round collapse. Like, this isn't San Jose. This isn't Dallas. The Avs are ahead in the series, and the winner of this series is the cup favorite, hands down. So, yeah. what the fuck? <laughs> like, this, this is not a collapse. This is right. This is and again, two Titans not... banging their heads together. Right, and again, I'm you know I I totally understand people watching the game being frustrated and it's like you know we just express it differently um but but you, you have know, just... to progress in order to really get credit for that and it's it's yeah, unfortunate it's like... that it has to be beating vegas is is their test to just say you know they're real but that's it's, the way it, the it's... chips fell and and they're, they're gonna still have to prove it well they have to adjust i mean that's that's what we really want to see it's like I think along with injuries and whatnot in the second round that we've seen the Avs, you know, bang their head against what they want to do versus what they should probably do um, to improve or change or do something different. And, you know, that that's really what we want to see in Sunday's game is them come out and, and do something that Vegas isn't expecting and take them by surprise and, you know, re- really sort of grab a hold of the series and, and take their game to a, a different level. Um, because it's like, if if they keep playing, you know, bad like this, or at least even, it, it, you know, you're going to go seven games, and it, we all know what happens when you do that. I throw up. That's what happens. A um, week from today, game seven. It would be. Um... But this was a, uh, as the the game, I got, you know, a few more minutes of perspective from, from the end of the game last night. I kind of 
like it it kind of occurred to me that I'm almost glad that they had a game that they played like garbage and lost like because we we know that this team does have that tendency to occasionally adopt the you know we're just better than you and we're just gonna beat you because that's just what we do because we're just better than you and that works when there's a big gap but against Vegas there ain't no big gap so no. it's it's sometimes you just have to have water thrown in your face to wake up and losing that game maybe that's it maybe the maybe they come out and just look like themselves again on on Sunday I do expect better I don't know if they'll get better result it's, it's gonna be really hard to win there but um but then you'd also kind of say that after game two is they should have thought of that as a loss. But, you know, I guess I guess it doesn't happen until you really do get get kicked in the mouth. And then you got to you got to have a wake up call. Yeah, I mean, this does now allow them to do some things that you probably wouldn't do even if you had a two nothing lead like they did going to the last night's game. Like you, you can make some. <clears throat> You know, you can make some lineup adjustments. You can switch up your lines now. You, you can discard some strategies and put some new ones in. Oh, and, and I'm not saying they should really go radical and do a lot of stuff. I, I don't think that would be that great either, but it's just they need to pick like two or three really effective things that they can implement and do that. First line center, Alex Newhook. <laughs> You're saying that would be radical. you're saying don't do that. That that would be out there. I mean, it wouldn't be the worst thing they could do. Let's just put it that way. But it would be out there. It's just yeah, I get it. Like if you're winning, you do kind of get into the little bit. If it ain't broke, don't fix it. Kind of mindset. Even if you're seeing the effectiveness wane, but right, you had it. Like I said before, you had a game you didn't play well and you lost that's the time that you need to say, what can we do different here? And hopefully they do. Like, I know Bedner likes to keep things the same, but we even saw in the third period that he was changing things. Yeah, and that's why I'm saying it's not, it, it, it's not a time for radical restructuring. You just don't have, um, you know, you don't have the, the resources to do that right now, but it's just... It, he needs to find like two or three small things that he can do, whether it's personnel or tactic, um, and, and make sure that, that the, the, the guys can execute that quickly and effectively Sunday night. And uh, we'll, we'll see. I mean, obviously what, what you can actually do on the road is a little bit more limited and course not the bednar as much of a matchup coach to begin with he usually just kind of says y'all go be better than them but uh the nice thing at least this isn't um a transition day you know it's like they were able to practice today they were able to think about this and yeah not not a travel day gotcha right yeah so i'm ready to shut the door on those on those uh those games and move forward hopefully the abs are too Let's uh let's talk about that wingerly dude who can play center. <laughs> yeah, I guess that was the one nice odd surprise is yeah, I was randomly signed somebody and yeah. it's for next season. And it's it's an ALC because 
guy's age. He'll be 24 at the beginning of the season, and it's from Europe. Never been signed before. It's never drafted. So, uh, a lot of people seem to think this is for the Avs. I kind of disagree. I think this is like an Eagles signing, but you know, we we know those will all be call up eligible, and probably we'll see him play for the abs at some point next year but this is not a guy that i expect to like make the team or something he's not very tall he's listed at 5a and from what i've seen that's being kind <laughs> that's generous that's a connor garland 5 8 <laughs> so yeah. so what do we know about him other than that his name is wingerly and he can play center uh, he has been in the Swedish elite I think it was at least four years, maybe longer. So he has had a pretty long career there. He was just the world championships. I did not watch any of the world championships, but from what it looks like, he did not play a lot there either. So the timing of it is a lot of the Europeans sign right after the world championships when they get eliminated. So the timing of it suggests to me that the guy had options like, that's why the Avs did it now, because I'm sure they'd love to say, oh, we're so focused on the playoffs, we can't do anything, even the front office. So they had to get a move on to get this guy signed, and, you know, I'm sure getting an offer from a really good team and a team that loves to play older minor leaguers, why wouldn't you well, Plus with the ELC, he's got a year's worth of uh, waiver exemption, so... That's nice. Oh yeah, that's true. The Avs love waiver exemption. That's the really it's good the point. Best. <laughs> <laughs> so I don't know. Maybe he's a tie-in replacement or dries or someone like that. We'll see. I I have not watched him play, so I'm not gonna. Tynan won a major him. award. Why would you replace that guy? <laughs> I'm so sick of Tynan. Oh my god. Tynan was voted the AHL MVP this week. Because he had the best points per game in the league. I don't understand right. how league-wide trophies exist this season, where divisions are playing divisions and not anybody else. Like, it's just, it's so weird to me. Like, at both I guess, levels. Oh, I good. guess that was their solution, is because nobody played each other, just give it to the guy with the best points per game. Hey, I probably would have given... I probably would have given it to one of the Condors that won the actual fake championship that has even more production than him, but not the exact points per game. So I guess good for him, but please don't put him in a playoff game just because he won HL MVP. Don't let that don't please let that not be your game for big idea. I'm sure he's at home wherever the hell that is. No, he's a black ace. He's there. Really? Yes. <laughs> he's in Vegas. So he's an option. Oh. He has not been practicing with the big boys, but he's there. So this was not the only random fun news of the week. Uh, we also found out yesterday that Miko Rantanen is apparently very persuasive. That's hilarious. We all thought that embellishment fine was dumb but i think that's hilarious that he himself got so pissed about it that he called some sort of i don't remember what the title of the guy at at the 
whatever player safety or whoever handles the fines. Call, and we'll call him Billy. They, and they told him to write a letter. And that he did. And apparently he wrote, he wrote it himself. I just love that he did it himself. Like he wasn't having his agent do it. He was so pissed that he did it himself. That's probably why they rescinded. They were like, wow, this guy actually <laughs> wrote this email. And supposedly it was so detailed. It was eight point bullets. <laughs> eight bullet points. <laughs> and describing how he toe picked and all this and that. That's, that's hilarious. They probably were like, okay, dude, you can have your $2,000 back. Which is like nothing. Miko's one of the highest paid salary-wise players in the NHL this year, but... It's the principle. Exactly. <laughs> it's the principle. And I, I believe it, too. It, people don't realize he's he's a bit Bambi. He's still lanky. He's enormous. When he falls, like, lots of stuff is falling. It just... You notice it. He's just <laughs> not the strongest skater. Right, he, like he just he, isn't. You can trip him, and as Earl has said before, if you want to talk about divers like Kadri and Burkowski, might embellish a yeah. touch. That's not Miko. He's just—he really is just falling and flailing. That—that's what he does. Yeah, I mean, he and Landy fall down all the time, and that's—I mean, we've known about Landy falling down, and both of them have been doing it since their rookie years. That's who they are. How about Graves totally randomly falling down twice? Like that one last night was so weird. It looked like a ghost, like reached out and grabbed him. Like it wasn't like I a know, normal. It looks like he was trying to. <laughs> God, he, was, he made a decision at the last moment and it was just like, oh, well, geez, bam. <laughs> you know, usually a fall is like a fall forward or something. You can kind of tell it. It, it looked it seriously looked like an invisible person like grabbed him and threw him down. It was oh. like what you, what what happened? You can you can see what happened there. He went to stop <laughs> and one skate did the stop motion and the other skate said rut and went the other direction. <laughs> and then in the third period that was where one of the Vegas players also fell really awkwardly into the boards as game led Scog was behind him and it looked really ugly for about you know for in the live view and then you see the replay and go oh Gabe didn't really even touch him. Um, yeah. Maybe Vegas. Yeah, white cloud. Maybe Vegas should consider having ice. Did White Cloud return? I yes. didn't look yeah. it up. I yes, did. he did. Okay. Well, you don't like to see anyone get injured. Yeah, he was. His wrist was looking pretty rough um, as as he went off the ice, but he came back and, and played more in, later in the game, so that was good. Um, the the ice in Game Three was just bad. Oh, I do want to mention, yeah, I thought it was terrible in game two because the Avs, the the Nuggets played on Tuesday, yeah, Tuesday night, and the Avs played Wednesday. I thought it was terrible. I thought that was, was honestly part of some of that, that execution issue that you mentioned. It could be. And yeah, I mean, I, I, I hate using it as an excuse, and it obviously affects the other team as well, but just a lot of the skills stuff the Avs try to do, and if you can't execute it and you can't get those passes or the puck to settle down. Yeah, Vegas didn't seem to be having any problems getting it up to the cherry picker, though. <laughs> well, that just takes one pass. The Avs, the Avs love yeah. to like, make four passes in their play. Yeah. So, so that was part of it, but no, it's something I, I you have totally to live with. I totally agree the ice. 
just looks heinous. And it was a, you know, 110 degrees or whatever it was yesterday. So yeah, 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 puck dropped it at 7 o'clock local, and it was still 105 out. Oh, it's way too hot for me. Yeah, it is. But but allegedly, the newer heat. the facility is, the actually the better it is. It's not so much the climate. It's like, how old is this building? Like, the older it is, you probably will have, like, the worst ice. Whatever the reason, it, it, there were there were times when you could tell it just wasn't good in areas. Yeah, and There's, and like, one of those areas was the area to Flurry's defend twice right. Yeah, hmm. and there's also there was a spot on the boards like if you're looking from the camera's perspective, the 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 zone that's to your left along the far boards was really bad. And it's too, it's just too bad. They should have the best. It's the best hockey, the best players, the best teams. You should have the best conditions, but I know it doesn't so, work like that. Well, I mean, it's just so real convenient that the, the Flurry's defensive zone has some rough ice for the puck to move on and some rough ice to skate on. It is funny. Remember in game two before overtime that Vegas complained the ice was too wet in the defensive zone and their defensive zone. Yeah, that Flurry yeah. did. It was like, all right, well, it's it's eleven fifteen here. Let's uh, let's just. <laughs> Let's go ahead and delay this a little bit longer. Can you squeegee the? Can, can you can you do the thing with the squeegee? Okay, thanks. Yeah. Let's spend well, about. It matter. Let's spend it about five anyway. minutes pushing water around on the ice so that it's nice and smooth for Miko to score from. Hey. <laughs> <laughs> right. Exactly. Coming up this week, game four is tomorrow night as we record six thirty Mountain on Sunday. Game five will be back in Denver. That's a seven o'clock Mountain start. Both those games are currently slotted for NBC Sports, who cannot lose these rights fast enough. I hate their broadcast so much. Game 6 and 7, if we need them, will be on Thursday and Saturday. Which means the next time you hear from us, this series will be over. So where do y'all think this one is headed? I honestly do think the Avs are still going to win. It probably will be in 6. If it gets to 7, I probably will have a stroke. I think they'll win, though. I, I think, I think it is big to to have a lead in a series, and they had it, and they have yeah. home ice, and they will play better, and Vegas will continue to play well, but I think they'll pull it out. Yeah, I wish I had the numbers in front of me for teams that start out with two wins in a series, but it's pretty good. Um, you know, I did. <clears throat> I was hoping for a sweep, and, and you know, I, that's really optimistic. But, um, you know, I still think they can win next two games and close this out. Um, it wouldn't surprise me if it went to six. And, and like Jackie says, I really just don't want to think about seven. Um, but, I, you know, I maybe maybe game seven is what they need. Maybe that's the dragon they need to slay that they can just roll through the North champion and... and go on to the finals and, and win the cup. But, um, you know, regardless, I, I think that they can f just tweak some things and get back on track pretty quick and, and close it out in five. To win this series, if they have the guts to play Byram, let's just put it that way. Well, you know, in the playoffs, you got to take risks. That's what That's you said. That's what Bednar right? said. That's what Bednar said on the radio. I mean, he, this is this is the time that sets up for it. If he doesn't, it'll be super disappointing. Yeah, at this point, if and he it's doesn't, funny. it's kind of like you're just wondering: Is Byram actually ready? Like, because you said he is. 
I mean, you played Sample Ranta. Come on. <laughs> and the the weird thing is, and, and I'm going to make a Montreal parallel here, but um, the Montreal coach in the first round held out his two you know, rookies. Well, one was a rookie and one was a, a young center, Pakeniemi and Caulfield. Um, things didn't go so great, and they put them back in, and, you know, they've been lights out since. And another guy he held out was their rookie defenseman who played just about every game this year, and he still hasn't been in yet. And it's kind of weird, like, coaches are fine with being able to, you know, put in young guys as forwards, you know, because you can just not play them. Um, but as we've said all year, a they're they haven't done that with defensemen. Yeah, like that. That's usually not their issue. And B, yeah. the other guy is Timmins. We're not even talking about like taking Demeth out or something. Like Timmins right. has like not he... earned anything more than Byram has. Well, it's like the, you know these guys have been gung ho on just putting anybody out there. I mean. It's like I, I forget the number. What they they played fourteen defensemen this year, fifteen, fifteen, something like yeah. fifteen. Yeah. So it's just like you know they're they've done fine no matter who's out there. So and putting I, in I a really... guy that that's talented could actually help you. I mean, you, you'd think that would be something they're jumping at the chance to do, but I really do think it'll make a difference. Maybe just a little difference, like your butterfly wing difference, but it'll make a yeah. difference. So that's my prediction. Put Byram in, you'll win the series. If you don't, you won't. Well, I mean, it's like, right, you look at Taves and Makar's time on ice numbers, and, and Sam's a little bit lagging behind them, but still playing a lot. Um, it's like if you can just, you know, knock a minute or two off of both those guys or all three guys' time, um, they're going to be so much better in the third period. You know, it, it does appear that, you know, they're getting burnt out a little bit. They're, they're getting a little bit over. Just they're they're not creating like we know they can. Oh, you, you, you get overused when your third pair is on the ice for one and three shots for. Yeah, that, you, you need better from the bottom up that help the better from the bottom helps the top have more energy later in the game. My prediction for this series is that Colorado needs to win a game on the road. Um, I don't like him in Game 7. We need, we're going to need to get a win on the road here. Yeah. Whether, whether it's 4 or 6 or both. I think they could win if they get it to Game 7 because it's at home. I think that will matter. As much as I've said all year, this thing about home ice is way too overrated. I think if it comes to that... They could make it happen. Can. Absolutely. I'm not saying game seven is an auto loss by any means. I'm just saying I don't like it. Yeah. Definitely too stressful. So hopefully with, you know, cross every digit finger and toe, Colorado will come out on Sunday and look much different. Find a way to take game four. And lock this series away in five. That would be fantastic. And we can all forget about how much we freaked out about game three. 
That would be great. I would love to forget about how much Game 3 stunk. I would love to, because Game 3 stunk. That is it for this one. We will be back at you sometime between rounds 2 and 3, whether that's a preview of the eventual destruction of the team from the North, or a post-mortem on the series and the season. Um, it'll be most likely next Sunday, just by the way the schedule is, is out. Um, especially since the North, North uh, series is a little bit, uh, you know, behind. So, with, with any luck, Colorado will take Game 4 and we'll all forget that this nonsense ever happened. We'll see y'all then. Is the North going to come and make a home base in the U.S. to play? The they haven't decided or... yet, which, you okay. know, they kind of need to chop chop. But allegedly that. Bye. <laughs> Did you go away? Jackie, go away. Sayonara. That's funny. Oh, I love the internet. Push the button, Frank. I am the button.